It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, all right, all right. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. The four amigos are back here talking dev camp, free agency, and around the Pacific, as well as the Kopitar extension and PLD's press conference. Get in the chat, like, and subscribe. Let's go. Gotta say before we even get into it, Nav coming here early. Seven and seven people waiting for us to come on board. You know, we got we got our early early risers. There. Everybody liked the stream really quick. Appreciate that, Nav. Noah clicked it. Done. I love it. Hit that little bell. You get notified whenever we start. So that little bell. Welcome in, guys. Uh, we're going back to back with the four of us here. I like it. You know, getting some summertime blues out there. You know, getting getting the four amigos together. Uh, but how are you guys doing? How was your week? It was good. It was good. Kind of feels like that uh, summer has officially begun in the hockey realm with Dev Camp behind us. But so we're kind of in this lull, especially today, right? Like there's like no sports on TV. Yeah. I just like after the All Star game for the MLB, it's just like purgatory for sports, sports wise. But here we are. We'll, we'll, we'll fill that void there. I guess I sent out maybe 20 Dynasty fantasy football trades today out of boredom. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me, I need to get my league going. It's 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 like the training camp for football is like right around the corner. That's what I'm excited about. So <laughs> once training camp come camp comes for football, a couple weeks in, then hockey's like right around the corner. So we're getting there. We're getting there. I, I took over this uh I took over this team and this guy was bottom like bottom four in the league. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go. It's kind of rough like paying almost a hundred bucks and then going into a rebuild right away and knowing that you're probably going to be throwing some money away for the first couple of years. But I had Cooper cup. I was able to get CD lamb and a first for Cooper cup, which great value for dynasty. And then I was, and I turned Derek Carr and Aaron Jones into uh into a first plus an, a, a young player. So uh, stacking up on those picks and hopefully I can hit some of those and then turn it around. But yeah, that's my first year doing dynasty and I'm in three of them already. So it's been, it's been cool. Joe, how, uh, how's the summertime treating you and the kiddos? Ah, busy, busy. Uh, the two-year-old, two almost two-and-a-half-year-old started soccer again this week. His next little session, so we'll see how that goes. That's always entertaining. Like you, uh, I am in Dynasty, Dynasty baseball, though. Uh, not as big into football. I, I actually don't like fantasy football, if that's weird. I do one league because I've just been in it for a while, but I like the grind of baseball. That is my favorite one. I love hockey because it's long, too, so – I love it. So I, w- I just made some 
some deals myself, Randall, because the whole league gets itchy, I think, whenever there's not baseball on. And it's a pretty active league, so which makes it a lot of fun. But that's something to, to keep the juices flowing in this kind of lull of, of sports. So not bad. Kyle, how's things with you? Fresh off the dev camp. Busy. Um, went to dev camp for three of the five days. Went to a Dodger game last weekend. Finally got to see them win once, so that was good. But they actually did something different this year. Instead of fireworks, they had like a little drone show that they were doing. I thought it was, I thought oh. that was pretty cool. But other than that, just been busy. No sports on a day, so just been just waiting until tomorrow. Nice, nice, nice. We got some people in the chat. Davo, let's go, boys. A uh, little off topic, but love the Jersey goodbye text. I think we all did too. Um, wishing Jersey nothing but the best in Arizona. Yep. Uh, Richie Rich, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Anthony, come in and say, hey, can we start a hockey royalty fantasy football league? I'll participate in that. Uh, let's that uh, let's let's see if we might be able to get that cooking this year uh, <laughs> with maybe a little 12-teamer or something like that. I so like that, Anthony. I like we'll, it. We'll see, we'll see if we can get something going. But before we get anything going, we're going to start here with our sponsors here at DraftKings. New customers, download DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Just bet $5 and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, official podcast or official sportsbook of hockey royalty podcast. Let's get going here, boys. Let's start it up with uh, with the Kopitar extension. Uh, I knew it was in it was whispered around. Uh, that he was going to sign. People thought uh, it could be. Some people were wanting five million. Some people thought, uh, you know, that it was going to be closer to nine. Sat right in the middle at the two for seven. Uh, seems kind of like a steal if he plays like he did last year. Obviously, we don't know when the drop off will be or if there ever will be one. Joe Pavelski is still playing strong at at the uh, at the journeyman there. So, what did you guys think of the uh, extension? Um, was it a little bit more, a little less than what you expected? And and how do you expect? Kopitar to play during these next two years. I'll start with Kyle on this one. So when I got the news, I was just coming back from lunch from that little break that they had in development camp. So I was coming with one of my buddies and I saw that um, he signed for two. I think it was two by seven, right? Two by seven was the contract. Yeah. I thought it was a little, little high. I would thought it'd be like maybe around between the five and six range. But I mean, Kopitar has shown no signs of slowing down so i guess i can get on board with it so but i i mean that's all i pretty much have to say um very short to the point joe yeah i listen whatever he wanted i mean it it wasn't going to be anything more than obviously what he had before at the 10 million so he's still playing as you mentioned at a really high level it's going to come off at some point but it's a two-year deal uh, I presume this third, this first year, excuse me, his last year of his last deal, you know, he, again, show no signs of slowing, really. Uh, he's such a smart player, and his style of play, I think, is going to allow him to be a productive player uh, for the next three years, frankly. I mean, maybe he's not going to be – there will be a drop-off in production at some point, but, you know, he offers so much more, too, than just that, that he'll still be a player that's – probably worth that money in each of these next couple of years so um i i just think it's great i, I love the fact that uh that he said he wanted to be a you know kind of a one franchise guy and it's hard to envision him in another uniform so I, i'm just i'm pumped because I, I just happy that this is done it's not going to be a conversation you know in camp or in next season or anything like that it's just done it's over with 
Now go play. Yeah, Were there any whisperings around the, the arena there, Russ, for you or about this extension and where it would come in at? Or were you surprised as well? No, I was pretty surprised. Um, well, I guess, I don't know. They, they, it feels like they, the player and Rob Blake and the team just wanted to get this over with. I mean, like Joe said, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking was you don't want this lingering throughout the whole season, right? Like, oh, when is Kobe's contract going to get done? And then he's going to be thinking about it. Maybe that affects his play. But, yeah, just knock this out of the way. I mean, it's 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 great. They pretty much got it done. There's what a few days after the the deadline was open. So, I mean, it's it's good. And as far as the the value of it, I, I think it comes in right at the value of what Kopitar is, and and probably will be. I mean, you you hit the nail right in the head, Randon, in terms of comparing the player. And it's Joe Pavelski. When Joe Pavelski was 35 years old, he signed a three year extension at seven million dollars AAV, and that was a few years ago. That was in 2019, and at that time. That contract was 8.5% of a cap hit percentage. This contract that Kopitar is going to be getting is 8.3. So you're looking at even less of in terms of what it will cost the team um, the next few years or the next two years after this this final year of his contract runs out. So I don't I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like a hometown discount, but I don't think they had to overpay for it either. I mean, Kopitar is obviously still the best player on the team. I don't think there's any denying that. So if he can just play up. I mean, even close to what he did last year for the next few years, I think that's a win. $7 million? Sign me up for that for the next few years, and we'll reevaluate it. Maybe he can ha- he's can. he got a little bit more left in the tank after this contract's over. Yeah, for me, I was thinking – my biggest question was not where he would sign. I figured it would come around this, but I thought maybe – was there going to be an, a hometown discount? Was there going to be a, hey, let's go chase another ring, five, five and a half million, use that cap space to go and uh, and kind of chase it? Uh, down, you know, chase it again for another cup run, maybe do a year at a time, you know, wait for the cap space to go up. I don't know. Uh, and kind of just go year from year. But I, I, I really think that two for seven, if he, if he keeps that play up is, is perfect. If not a steal in that, in that book, the question is, is Kopitar's play style, the type of style that would is going to age, is, is, is going to age nicely. Joe. I think so. I mean, he, it's it's he he's a in great shape still like he physically is playing 20 minutes plus a night and you can't do that at that level in that in that league in any league but especially that league if you're not in great shape so he keeps himself in really good shape obviously for him to be able to do it physically he's such a smart player that even if he is slowing down or even if he is a step here a step there you know not unlike Patrice Bergeron, you're not really going to notice it because they're just a step ahead of everything else mentally that he's going to have himself in spots to be successful or he's not going to get himself in spots to be for him to, to, to be in a bad spot, I should say. So, yeah, I think so because he's not a player that's that's predicated uh, solely on, say, speed, for example, right? A, a true north-south guy that, that once that goes – he becomes really it's a totally different player i mean he, he's such a well-rounded player that yeah i mean i think he's going to be able to chip in, in in a multitude of ways so i think he does age well yeah i, I really do russ um do you do you think that this do you think that the signing of pld allows allows kopitar to maybe quote unquote age better through this contract with maybe less pressure on the ice or or more actually more help as far as down the middle 
Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the factors we brought up constantly when, when talking about bringing in PLD was this allows you to not give Kopitar those, what are those um, matchups against like a McDavid or Dry Saddle? I mean, you can probably even send out PLD or against one of those two and leave Kopitar to be that top line center, try a little bit more offense with Kempe. I mean, I would probably still try to probably focus more on Kopitar. I think it's for this next few years, maybe we'll see PLD be the option in terms of offense, pure offense, um, if, especially if you're able to pair him with a player like Fiala. I mean, you can have that second line kind of as that more offensive juggernaut type line when you have the other two lines with Deneau and Kopitar in the middle as more of your shutdown lines. I mean, yeah, and this is where you have that available option if you're Tom McClellan to, hey, I don't have to worry about using my best two centers against your two best two centers. Now I have a third option. I can just counter so your bottom six with – some of our best offensive playmakers that we got. I mean, that's pretty much what we saw in this last Edmonton series is that the bottom six was just getting destroyed. And once Kopitar and Dano were off the ice, when they were even, even when they were getting beat by McDavid, and then you have no, you had, what was it, Lazat or Kupari, they just couldn't carry the wingers that they had, or whether it was Kupari, just couldn't carry it either. So now you have Dubois that option with Kopitar for the next few years that'll help alleviate that. Kyle, I want to ask you maybe another uh, positive byproduct of this is that to me, there hasn't been maybe a, the, as far as the secondary leadership group, there hasn't been a clear cut next captain, quote unquote, in my eyes. Giving Kopitar another two years kind of pushes that down the road, allows somebody to emerge in that. Obviously, Deneau got the, the, the A this year. Um, you know, maybe some other guys might get the option or it might be Deneau for the, for the future. Do you think that extending his captaincy for another two years, allowing the secondary leadership to grow further into their roles is going to benefit the Kings long-term? Yeah, I believe so. Um, if you can keep Kopitar around as the captain for another two years, you still have that leadership and allows, you know, maybe a guy like PLD to maybe take on that torch in a couple of years or, you know, Mikey Anderson or, uh, well, Drew Doughty's going to retire in a bit, but those are the two I can think of. Even Phil Deneau, um, even if he's down – um, Matt Roy, if he stays around longer, you know, you got Brant Clark going to be learning in a couple years. Um, Kevin Fiala is still around. So, yeah, it allows that leadership to, you know, carry off the other players. And then they can carry on that torch once Kobotar leaves, when he decides to hang up his, his skates. I, I agree. I agree. So let's get it. Before we get into the next topic, Richard Rich coming in. Hey, boys. Uh, I did see a few weeks ago that you guys have a Discord uh, when you have time, can you post it to Twitter and, so that way we can all chat again? I'd love to join. I know we posted it and we got hot and heavy in Discord and then it kind of fell off. It is the off season. I think it might pick back up. We also got a lot of other stuff going on with hockey royalty. Um, so I we apologize for not keeping that balance. We'll try to get that going and, and spice it back up for all you guys to talk amongst each other there uh, as well as Twitter. Let's get going to the next uh, topic here. PLD's press conference. Um, Russ, you were there in person. Um Obviously, uh, Pierre-Luc has been, been around L.A., went to the Dodgers game, went to the Galaxy game, said that he might want season tickets already for the Galaxy, wanted to have cleats and get on the pitch. He seems to be embracing L.A. and all that it has to offer and, and showing that he really does want to be here as far as this was his number one choice to come to. Uh, did it feel that way in his press conference? How did you – were you impressed by the man himself? And what did you kind of take away from what he said? Yeah, it seems like he hasn't stopped smiling since he got to L.A. The guy's been everywhere. So, I mean, it's hard not to enjoy the the area around here, right? I mean, he's gone. He's been to Dodger Stadium, the Galaxy game. He's been at Malibu. 
eating dinner at Nobu. So he's 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 been in all the really fun fun areas of Los Angeles since he's been here. But yeah, I mean, talking with PLD, I mean, with everything you hear about, like with the narrative around him, and 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 as far as being maybe a cancer in the locker room or just being this kind of diva, you just didn't really get any any of that when you were talking to him. He just seemed like a really genuine, engaging, normal, down to earth guy. I mean, 25-year-old who's just happy to be where he's at right now. He's getting paid like it, so I'm sure that helps a little bit too. But, yeah, I mean, it just he, you didn't really get the sense of that. It was just going to be that everything that we had heard about him coming in. I mean, obviously, and then, or then, then he also talked about his uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois foundation that he's starting this, that's actually going on this weekend. Uh, he's having a charity golf tournament that he hasn't been able to have, uh, have go on for like the last four years because of COVID. But he, he actually took it over from Vincent Le Cavalier, who was actually named after him and and made it his own to help uh, use with equipment and all that good stuff. So, I mean, this is a guy who, who loves to give back to the community. And I think the Kings have actually done a really good job with that because, I mean, you think about it, like Kevin Viola, just his first year with the Kings last year, and he won the Jim Fox Community Service Award. I mean, and then this, and then now you have Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I, I've heard that he's already looking to get, get stuff like that started in the Los Angeles area. So these are players who maybe come across as those type of superstars that don't really like to help out, but they they really do. They're 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 guys that really want to help the community, give back a little bit, and we saw a little bit of that in in Pierre Luc Dubois uh, in our conversation with him. So, like I said, he's just a real down to earth guy. Um, but yeah, it's, he's saying all the right things so far, right? He's mentioning Kopitar, how he's not getting his enough recognition. I mean, that'll make Kings fans happy. He's he's here because he wants to win a Stanley Cup, um, but. All this, all this sounds good right now, but I'm sure we won't start judging him until the puck drops in October. So we'll have to wait, I guess. But it's start, it's off to a good start for now. Joe, you were the biggest proponent of that he was being unfairly judged. Yeah. Um, maybe fairly judged in Columbus, unfairly judged in Winnipeg, and yeah. uh, during the signing, I think the main thing that stuck out to me was he said, "I get to finally show who I am." Um, being in a place that you want to be starting over as a young 25 year old man. I know at, at me at 25, I didn't know who I was. I think this really gives him a chance at a fresh start. What do you think as a man that can do for you and as a hockey player? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping for him. It's just like a sigh of relief. Like the, all the talk can be set aside. There's no more rumors. There's no more of this. It's, it's just, he can settle in now. He can enjoy this summer then he can get to work and do what he does best and then just play hockey for the next bunch of years in Los Angeles. So he doesn't have to worry about the outside noise, you know? And yeah, like you said, I, I, I really thought it was so overblown over these past few years. And even when you go back to Columbus, I genuinely think this entire narrative is built around that one shift that continues to get played over and over again. And it's like, he's not the first person to ask for a trade. It's happened in the history of sports, and he's not the first person to have an issue with John Tortorella. They just didn't see eye to eye. Many don't. They butted heads. Again, could he have handled it better? Probably, but he was 20 years old, and I don't, you know, whatever. It is what it is. If anything, in Winnipeg, it was the opposite. He didn't ask for a trade. If He, he did right by the organization in telling them, just so we're all on the same page here, I'm not signing a long-term extension. He could have said otherwise and said he could have hemmed and hawed and not done anything and not allowed Winnipeg to get a nice package for him. 
if anything, I think he did a good thing by Winnipeg by being transparent, being outside. So I, I think so much of this is just because of that one one shift, which hey, he he played that way. He did it. He asked it earn it and kind of own up to it, I guess. But for God's sakes, that was years ago at this point. I mean, I think the narrative was completely overblown, completely overblown. And I'm, I'm hopeful that he, you know, I'm happy that he's kind of seen this opportunity to say like, fine, I can just kind of breathe now and show everybody who I really am. And I, I hope he embraces that. And I hope he's able to shoot. I hope he has a great season production wise too, because then he's going to be adored in Los Angeles. So, um, no, I, I'm, I have, I, I said it before, I had, I had and still have zero concerns about his, his, the whole, that whole narrative thing and cancer and locker, literally zero concerns. And obviously I don't know the player. I've never met the player or anything like that, but just to me, the narrative was so overblown. And if he chose, you know, he held the cards more or less. So him choosing where he wants to go, wherever he ended up, I was confident he's going to be an impactful player. So just, just real quick too. I mean, you think about it and I mean, in Winnipeg, he's being touted as their number one center. I mean, with everything going on in that situation and then Columbus before that with Tortorella, he's coming into the best situation he's been in since he's entered the NHL. I mean, this is where I like, I'm not like, I fully expect him to have a career year. I think this is, could easily be, a year where he just ups the production value like a ton. I think there's still another another level in Pierre Luc Dubois' game, but it'll be an important year for him too because like like with everything going around with the players that were traded to get him. I mean, if, if it gets to a point where you see Gabe Velarde scoring like 30 goals and Pierre Luc Dubois struggling, then yeah, people are going to be raising some pistols sure. here. But for me, like I have no, I'm with you, Joe. Like I have no concerns over what the player and and his attitude and everything like that. Everything I've seen, everything I've heard. He's the right player. He's going to gel right in this locker room. Obviously, we've talked about the players that are already in the locker room in terms of Dowdy and Kopitar, real good leaders that will help Dubois become a leader himself. But it was also funny, like he talked about how he's like he can help the young guys, and I'm like, bro, you're 25, like you're not, you're like you are one of the young guys, like. But I, I like that, like he's, it's like he's almost thinking like I'm here to help Quentin Byfield a little bit too. Yeah, that's where I was going to get at because the pressure of being a top three pick. Exactly, it, and having to turn around a, a rebuild an organization—that's a lot of pressure, and I and he can definitely relate to that. That's something I think we haven't really t- thought of either. I mean, he's pretty much gone through the same situation Quentin Byfield's gone through, having all that pressure, like you mentioned, Randon, of being a top three pick. Oh, what if you're not producing? There's going to be scrutiny. You're going to be hearing so much outside noise. So, I wonder if that was like I was thinking about that at the time. Like, I wonder if the team kind of had mentioned that to him, like, "Hey, look, we have Quentin Byfield." number two overall pick big guy just like you maybe skates a little bit better but hey he's not scoring he's also he's also hearing all that outside noise maybe you can perk him up a little bit maybe help him help him develop into a mature man that you're starting to become so i wonder if that's why he kept mentioning like hey i'm here to teach the younger guys as well as learn from the older guys because i mean that's a statement like you don't come in as a 25 year old thinking like you're going to be helping younger guys especially when there's guys like Kopitar and Deneau already on the team. So I wonder if that's something that he's already instilled, like him and Byfield are going to be together uh, for training camp, maybe learn a little bit from each other. Maybe the the, the Dersey, uh, the Dersey Deneau coffee rides will be the PLD and Byfield <laughs> coffee rides to the, to the, yeah, well, to the stadium. Funny, yeah, Dubois and uh, Deneau are supposed to be hanging out in August. So Deneau seems like he's becoming like the 
guy who's going to get all the guys together, like go out for stuff, which is great. I mean, he seems like that's of a guy. It's just, I'm sure he's a little disappointed. He doesn't have his coffee buddy in Jersey though. Kyle, I want, I want, I want your opinion here. We went, I, I set both the other guys up. I'm going to let you have a little free for all here. What was, what was your takeaway from the press conference and maybe uh, a point that you want to kind of, kind of hit home here before we move on. So I will admit, um, Joe and Russ probably know this, that I was not a big fan of the option of going for PLD just because, you know, the the history about asking out for a trade, you know, being a clubhouse cancer and all this other narrative. But as time went on, I slowly started to, you know, join that side of, you know, trying to get for him. And one thing I can take away from this press conference is that narrative of he doesn't care or he like LA like got fleeced i think it could be put to bed what i see what i saw from the replay of his press conference that this is a guy that cares he wants to win he wants to be here and he looks like he's he's loving la life and you know he should be i mean he just came from winnipeg and columbus i mean la has better work. you can't beat that so um but he looks like he wants to win he wants to win a stanley cup and i you know maybe it may not happen this year but you know he's here for eight years and, you know, I get the sense that this guy, he really cares. It reminds me a lot like Phil Kessel with the, the Leafs, how there was all these narratives about him not caring or winning. And then he goes to Pittsburgh and he helps them win two cups, you know, not saying it can happen here with the Kings, but why not? I, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, Marco Zang is coming in here saying PLD and Fiala for 100 points each this season. I'm all for that. Uh, that <laughs> would definitely be a career year. Let's flip the table here and get to the young bloods. Uh, Dev Camp was this last week. Both Russell and Kyle went. Uh, so we're going to be hearing from them and their experiences here. Joe and I are just going to take a little seat back and listen to the, the fine music that is their voices here. Let's start out with the most impressive, uh, the, uh, mo- the players that you were most impressed by. Kyle, I'll give you the head start on here. Who were some of the players that you were most impressed by? Or maybe just talk once so you guys don't uh, overlap there. Okay, I'll go with one, but I might sneak in a second one here. Sorry, Russ. No. But, um, one of my favorite um, was obviously Alex LaFerriere. When Russ and I were there, we were watching you know, the scrimmage and these drills, and we just I just kept talking to him saying, like, look how good he is with the puck along the boards, and he's got that big step on the outside that he can score on. He just he just looked really good. He looked hungry out there. He was all over the ice, and especially in the scrimmage. Even though Team Black got dominated 7-1, I thought he was their best player on the ice he was just all over the place he was looking for pucks he was trying to create stuff on the rush he was winning puck battles along the boards he wasn't giving up on plays and i would say another one is this is the first time i've actually seen him in person um i just only see him on highlights and juniors is francesco pinelli um i i'm thinking him and martin chromia can develop some great chemistry and i'd like to see marco stern put them on a line in ontario this year I'm looking to hear Pinelli, the Chromiak, shoot, score many times this year. I think it can happen like 20 to 30 times. Pinelli's got good hands. He can pass the puck. And sometimes he may pass up shots. He may not look to shoot first. But if you have Martin, I don't think he should worry about that if he has Martin Chromiak bearing, putting the puck in the net 20 to 30 times next season. I don't think a guy that scored 50-plus goals is shy to shoot uh, in, in the OHL. We'll, we'll see. Russ, where, where, let's, where were your uh, positives there if you want to hit a couple other players? Yeah, man, I, I I can't gush enough about Alex Deferrier, but I think he's Kyle said everything right about him. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with that player we were just talking about, Martin Kromiak. Dude, this 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 seems like the type of player that's just turning into an all round type of player, not that like just sniper. I mean, he was taking the pucks to the net. He was doing well in board battles. 
I mean, he just seems like a more hungry type of player. And that was something that I know Kyle had mentioned to me that there were times in Ontario, it just seemed like he was really motivated at times on the ice. So now if you can unlock that competitive nature, that competitive fire in the player, especially when you give him a head start at, at the regular season, since he's coming back from uh, last year after having that illness um, impact him a little bit. So I think you're going to see uh, a new a new player in Martin Kromiak. But I also want to mention another player that I liked. Um, I think you, I, we probably should have just mentioned him as Brent Clark. I mean, there was – Don't mention oh, that Jersey kind of play that he had no, the first no, day. That's, well, that's what I want to talk about. So it's funny because I remember last week we were talking about this. Like I, I brought it up how – I was kind of worried that Brandt Clark would come to camp like knowing or being like overconfident and want to do things that he probably shouldn't be doing. And sure enough, the first scrimmage we see, he's at the blue line and tries to throw this ridiculous cross-ice pass that gets picked off for a breakaway at the other end. I'm like, oh, there it is right there, his jersey moment. But on Monday, the scrimmage, he knew he was the best player on the ice, and he showed it. Like anytime he had the puck, he, he just did whatever he wanted – I mean, that cross-ice pass he had, that Kevin Fiala, like, turn and just whip it across the ice right onto Ryan Comney's stick. I mean, that was beautiful. It got oozing off from the crowd. You can just tell he was – Randy can't stop smiling right now. He's so happy. <laughs> you can just tell that Brent Clark was clearly the mo- the, the best player on the ice. And I'm, I'm glad Glenn Murray actually mentioned after in the press conference that he kind of played like a forward, probably a little more than a defense, a defenseman, which I noticed that too. He was just constantly involved in the play. But that was because he was more or less dictating the play in the offensive zone. Is that He was able to do whatever he wanted and rush the puck down low behind the net. So, I mean, it was, it's just a lot of glowing reviews um, from management, from, from us. I, I just thought he was clearly the best player at development camp, and he showed it. I liked I liked his interview too. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but I was like, he said, uh, you know, he was going to take this. He took last year with stride. Like he said it like four times in the uh, in the interview, and I'm like, dude, this guy is coming for throats next season. Like he's not. Like, yeah, he, he's coming he's, for that Calder like, trophy. You know, when you say it one time, you you mean it. When you say it two times, maybe it's a slip up. When you say it four times, you know that he's just saying the right things to say. But he's coming. He's coming for throats. Um, I, I can't say enough about this, but I want to get to Russ's tweet here because we were say, he said we're going to talk about it on the podcast. Who should start in RD3? Was that Brant Clark or uh, Jordan Spence? I chose Clark. You chose Spence. I want to start with a third party here, Joe. Where, where do you think you're leaning as of right now before camp? My answer is Spence, but there's a caveat to that answer. Uh, I don't know. It's because I think Clark should be LD3, but that's so that's where I'm at. Come on, it's Tom McClellan here. Let's not let's not go crazy. I still say Spence. I still say Spence because I just think I I don't know what else Spence has to do in pro hockey right now to get his shot in the uh, a legitimate shot in the NHL level. And we've seen the Kings be really, really patient with their prospects so i I mean i'm not going to be surprised either way and i honestly like i'm not going to be upset either way i'm really excited about both of them it just sucks because i'd like to see them both play but is what it is um but i did i my lean is spence i have an idea i have an idea and i was telling russ this so he may he may already know where i'm going with this on monday when i said it monday Glenn Murray said Grant Brant Clark played like what again? Forward? <laughs> like forward. 
Well, <laughs> why don't we get crazy here and put Brand Clark at four? Go with seven D. Put Clark at four. Spence at three. Problem solved. I like it. I like it. Clever. But no, I'll, I'll so I'll give my reasoning why I, why I say Spence. Um, and it actually really has nothing to do from what we're, we've seen from Clark so far, and probably what we will see in training camp. I'm actually I think this is how it should be, no matter what happens in preseason. Brent Clark is going to be coming in as a player who obviously in Barry Colts was the number one player on their team, played 20-plus minutes a night. I think he deserves to have that playing time in Ontario. I think if he started off in the NHL, he probably wouldn't be getting more than 15 minutes a night. And I, I think, I don't know, for me, I think if he just starts in the AHL for the beginning of the year, you're, you give him that free range to just do whatever he wants on the ice, pretty much. He learns from that. And then you play him 20, 20 plus minutes a night, 22 minutes a night. And then also, another thing I was thinking too is like, let's say we do start Brent Clark with the Kings in the NHL. And let's say things don't go so well in the first few games. Are you going to send him back down in the AHL after that? Or are you going to keep switching him back and forth with Spence? I mean, we obviously don't know that – we obviously know that the Kings don't really have that kind of roster. I mean, they can't really manipulate the roster as much as they can because of the salary cap right now. So I wonder if – like, it, I just worry that there's too much of a risk involved in starting Clark in the NHL when you have Jordan Spence available who can go out there, play 15 minutes a night. Let's say he does mess up. I mean, he's, he's a more experienced player playing in the AHL, and he's, he's shown the capability – to play NHL games already. I mean, this isn't a player that you're there's, there's so much more of a downfall or downgrade from playing Spence over Clark. I don't see that right now. Yeah. I think Clark can be a better player than Spence in the long run, but I think for right now, if you want to start the NHL, if you want to start the season with Spence, I think you're fine. And I think we'd be all be more than satisfied with Spence running the, the power the PP two. I think he'd be a fine power play quarterback in that Spence or in that sense. And then you can get uh Brant Clark, playing all those minutes of the Ontario Reign, quarterbacking the first power play, and he'd get a lot more experience and garner a lot more experience in that, in that position than he would if he was playing on that third pair, paired with like a guy like Andres Englund. It just, I don't know. I think if you give him more opportunity in the AHL, I think that'll boost his confidence even more than what it is right now. All, all my emotion tells, wants me to tell you to f off with that analysis, but <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's it make it makes sense. I think you are on something there. I wouldn't. I think you play your best player. I think Brant Clark is better uh, than Jordan Spence. I think he has a higher ceiling, and he needs to make mistakes at the NHL level. Uh, where I think that you're talking about is the Kings. Uh, you know, we've said that the NHL is not a developmental league, but you you have higher aspirations with the signing of, or the trade for PLD than make, than getting eliminated in the first round. So I, I, I understand the Spence thing. Cause there's a higher floor this season with, with Spence, as far as lack of mistakes, right? You, he, he's not really a mistake prone guy. Um, you know, you don't really see him trying to make the, the, the crazy pass all the time. And, and you're, you know, he's not engaged like pretty much in the crease, uh, like like Brant Clark is, but I think you have the you risk not having the special year that you possibly could have with a Brant Clark. If Brant Clark comes out and starts on the power play too, and and shows that 
he can he can accept more minutes. Maybe you see him taking some power play one time away from from Drew Doughty if that's really where they want to go to save Drew's legs. Not that Drew would ever want to give that up, but you could possibly see him win the Calder. And like, wouldn't that like having maybe 30, 40, 45 points from your third line just because of a lot of power play points? Wouldn't that bring a higher level of of offensive skill to to the team instead of taking the safe play in Jordan Spence. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think the, the thing that's so frustrating in all this, because I agree with you, like, do you just play the player, the best players that you have? And I think the thing that's so frustrating is that it's almost like bittersweet is how well the Gavrikov Roy pairing did last year. It's almost got to this point where you just can't separate them, which is frustrating because I mean, imagine you did and you were able to play like a Spence or Clark on the left side or even Roy on the left side. I mean, now you can play them both in the lineup. You have a good pairing of offensive mixed with a little bit of more of a defensive type of player in Gavrikov and Roy with Spence and Clark. I mean, it just feels like that should be the option. But because of Gavrikov and Roy played so well, and yeah, the metrics back it up, I probably would play them too. You don't have that option. That's why we're left with figuring out, okay, well, who's going to be the LD3? And it's going to be Andreas Englund or Tobias Bjornfoot, which kind of is a little little frustrating. That's, That's the frustrating too. part. It's not that Gavrikov Roy was so good. The frustrating part is they're going to voluntarily, I say this LD3 now, is an issue. Is they're going to probably play a, a player that's not as good as somebody that's going to be in Ontario. Yeah, Just that's the drop off, right? Very frustrating. That's that's very frustrating. That's the drop off. I mean, there's no the drop off from Jordan Spence to Brant Clark isn't that high, right? But the from those two players to high. Tobias Bjornfoot and Andreas England, it's like, oh man, like right. What, and, now and we're, so now we're, yeah. The the tough part is going to be, and now I'll listen. I'm willing to see this out. I. I have a negative opinion of it right now, but I'm willing to see it out because the, the the tough part is if whether it's Spence or Clark on the right side, if you have somebody that's not capable on the left of, again, as I like to say, moving pucks, being somebody that's active in transition, being able to make a first pass out of the zone, and that is leading to you continuing to have Spence and or Clark hemmed into their own zone, it's going to make them look a little bit worse just because of their partner. Now, Bjornfoot has not been a good NHL defenseman. That said, there has been his his where in looking at Corey Schneider's tracking on all three zones, where he has had some success is the ability in transition to get pucks out of his own zone. So I'm I'm cautiously like extreme cautiously optimistic that maybe, maybe there is an avenue there for Bjornfoot. I just haven't seen Eglin and I feel bad having like an opinion on the guy. It's just when you see the, the, the archetype of this player where he's a big defensive defenseman who takes a lot of penalties and fights, I'm just really not excited about that. And I just don't see how on earth that helps now maybe again i'm willing to see this out come camp maybe he is somebody that is capable with the puck okay i'm I'm willing to see that i'm willing to see that out but boy if if not and he's just kind of a bruiser you're really doing your team a disservice by not playing them both on that bottom pair and then playing around with offensive zone deployment Making sure they're they're control they're 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 not starting in the D zone, for example, on a faceoff. The coaching staff can do that. The coaching staff can deploy them in certain ways. 
that is how they can maximize the potential of this roster. And what could happen? I'm just, I want to see, I'm willing to see this play out, but that's yeah. where I'm at right now. I think that's why we're talking about it too so much. It's funny because we're just, we're spending a whole conversation on the third pair of the defense, which, but I think the reason why it's so important is in this aspect is, is these are two of the best prospects in the King system. Oh yeah. And this could be an important, the same position. Yeah. And they play yeah. the same position. So we're talking about who's going to be playing that spot and who they're going to be playing with, which could very much impact whether it be Brant Clark's first full pro season or Jordan Spence finally getting a full shot in the NHL. So that could be an important, it's going to be an important position to watch for the first early part of the season as far as who or how that pairing develops. Cause we already know the top four is what it is. So that'll be interesting to see how they figure that out. And not to beat, beat a dead horse here, but like, oh, I'm sorry, was it, you said it was Murray that said, he said he played like a forward. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, that's why I think he is capable of playing the left side. He can play that more of a bit of a rover style, if you will. And I'd give him just the, a little bit more of a, of a of freedom to kind of do some of those things. Be creative. You know, try to get a little bit more scoring from the back end. Um, especially if you've got like a legit shutdown pair in the middle with Gavrikov and Roy. And you're not in the offense from the top pair. Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's not really there. Like, Go get it. Go, go set your ozone face offs with Clark and Spence. Go get it. Right. I mean, I don't know. That's as yeah, we, we saw Clark Clark Dowdy Dowdy right. a couple of times. We saw him with Dowdy a couple of times last year. And so they feel comfortable. I mean, yeah, this is obviously going to be the most prolific offensive defenseman the Kings have probably had in years. Mm -hmm. I mean, playing him on the left side, if you really want him to unlock that offense, then give him the opportunity to do so. I what about this though? What if they if they both have Brant Clark and Jordan Spence? What if Jordan Spence quarterbacks the power play two and Brant Clark plays the half wall and Drew Doughty? They have two defensemen on there. He's good enough to be an offensive player, and then you have a righty uh, at that position. I'm all for the four defensemen, or excuse me, four forwards, one defenseman, unless you have a situation <laughs> like like that on uh, the second pair where you can play those type 100 percent no question in my mind that i would play both spence and clark uh, on the same on the same power plan that second unit because i listen i don't think drew Doughty's losing his power play spot like i that, that, that's not going anywhere but but i do think if they were both in the lineup that they could both be on the same same unit absolutely i will say though that what makes this decision like really tough is that they're both really like really good players but you can see the case, like you. I can see the case why people say Jordan Spence shouldn't be in the shouldn't be in the AHL, and I can also see the case why Brent Clark shouldn't be in, in the AHL either. But what I don't want to see is you know both of them be on the roster, but one is sitting in the press box and the other one's yeah. playing because I don't think that should happen. But exactly. I don't think Jordan Spence should be in the AHL anymore. He to me, he's got nothing to prove down there. There's he's literally scoring like forty plus points each of the last couple of years, or he had was short of 40 points his first year but i don't think he should be playing in the ahl anymore but i will say talk about pairing them together they didn't play they didn't start the game together in ontario when brand clark had his conditioning assignment there but there was times whether it be late in the game on the power player they were looking for a spark where marco sturm actually had them paired together it was a game against henderson they were down 2-1 within the final five minutes they were paired out there together even with the extra attacker on so to, for so if someone says like they shouldn't play together, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, they've 
they've done it together, even the small, small, very small sample size. Um, but the only thing is when the Kings go on the road, they don't have that matchup to be able to dictate what that they would be able to do on home. So yeah. it's a really tough choice, to my opinion, for Todd McClellan. If he goes with – if Brant Clark doesn't make the opening day roster, you know that all hell is going to break loose in, <laughs> in, Kings, in Kings world. But it's if Jordan Smith's make – yeah, <laughs> he'll be the leader. But yeah. um, well, The other part of this, and I, and I immediately thought of the Kings, I saw um, – because Lindy Ruff in New Jersey was asked about a third pairing, not – too dissimilar uh, to what we're talking about. At least it's left right with their their situation in Jersey of Hughes and Nemec as as a full time third pair. And I wanted to I wanted to like strangle Lindy Ruff through the through my phone because he said you've got to be careful getting too young too fast, especially on the back end. And we're like, no, shut up, don't say that. that. <laughs> Dude, I, that I will say sounds so good. I mean, Luke Hughes, we know who he is. Oh, good. We Lord. know his brothers. And then Simon Simon Nemich. I mean, if you guys didn't see him at the what did he play at the World Championships, didn't he? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. yeah, he looked so good as a as a kid playing against all these men at the World Championships. Man, I mean, New Jersey is we're going to be seeing another rematch of Kings New Jersey at the Stanley Cup final so. because New Jersey is looking pretty darn good. But that's but that quote I saw, I'm like, that's exactly. And I'm not. It's it's not unfair. It's not. It's just. Live a little. <laughs> Kings Rule coming in here. Hey, we love Hockey Roti. We love you too. Please smash that like button. Thank you guys for being in the chat. We're 45 strong right now. So appreciate you guys coming here. Before we get to who we were unimpressed with, we have a quick question with Richie Rich. Was the lopsided scoring more about the offense or the goaltending? Or how did you guys view that? Offense. Yeah, it was... Glenn Murray even mentioned there was really no defense being played. Like, like I had people asking me, like, oh, what, Eric Portill on the team that led in seven goals. No, nah, I mean, the, he was just pretty much being hung out to dry. I was actually very impressed with Portillo uh, th- throughout the few days. I mean, obviously, it's just mostly drills and stuff. But when you see just how big he is in person, how much of the net he takes up, and he's got that little bit of athleticism to his game, I mean, you can see that there's – you can you can see what the team sees in, in him. I mean – Seems like the, the player that can be a starting goaltender in, in the NHL. But like we've talked about in this a couple of times, I mean, we just fully expect him to get at least one full season in the AHL, maybe two, and then you kind of see what what happens after that. But I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Let's I like get what into, I saw from the goalies too. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into uh, who left something to be desired. Which prospect were you kind of excited about that maybe let you down a little bit or uh, you were expecting a little bit more from? We'll start with Russ on this one. So hard to be like who who left it like more to be desired. Um, I don't know. I kind of would have maybe seen it. Like I don't want to be too hard on the player, but maybe I would have saw a little bit more from Dvorak. Um, he just seems like a lang- langy player. That's just I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be so so tough on him. It's like it's it's weird because I saw this same thing from Jack Hughes last year when he was there. It's a kid. He's new to this environment new to the team new to the, the coaching staff and all that so he's kind of timid a little bit does the time- english i believe so yeah okay so which um, could have i mean going to a new spot and not knowing how to speak to anybody would be yeah would be rough. absolutely yeah absolutely so um but yeah i think i, I don't know so i maybe just was hoping for a little bit more and I, I know he had played some he played a little bit of power play time he wasn't really necessarily the a problem 
for the teams that he's playing on, but I don't know. Maybe would have liked to see a little bit more out of the second round pick. What about you, Kyle? I, I, it's really hard to find just just one player or to single them out. But um, what I I'm gonna go with you know prospect that's more of a project right now. That's you know big, just like Sammy Hellenius is Caleb Lawrence. Um, he's still learning how to to use his size. There was times in the puck battles where he I expected him to probably dominate that drill, but there was times where he's still learning. You can see that he's still learning how to use his body frame. And there was also plays in the like a three-on-three drill where he looked kind of a little bit late in his assignment. Um, so that that was pretty much it. I don't I didn't expect you know a lot, but I was kind of a little disappointed. But you know, he still showed that he's a prospect. And I see a question here by by Nav saying, How did Krieger look? I really like Cole Krieger. I think yeah. he's really smart with the puck and he looks I don't want to go too high, give him too much praise right here, but it kind of looks like, you know, a little bit like Matt Roy on the left side a little bit. Just just steady and just, you know, makes the smart plays. He doesn't try to do too much. He definitely so has that. A, like, so he's going to be a career AHLer like Mavari, who's just steady, right? <laughs> no, but it's funny because with Krieger, like I think of like that that Steve Buscemi meme where he's like, hey, how's it going, kiddos? Like that kind of thing. Because Krieger, he's like 25, and you yeah. get like 18, 19-year-old kids in here. But yeah, like I, I'm with you and Kyle. I mean, I thought like there were times when I'm watching Krieger, Krieger play and he played like a, a man among those young boys there. It's it's funny because I mean, he felt he, he felt like the adult in the group. He's got the beard going and everything like that. And and you just notice throughout the play, he was just more physical, always on the puck, always hunting the puck. So it almost just made me like realize like, okay, maybe we're not watching Krieger enough. We're not talking about him enough because this could be a player that hey, who knows, maybe. He, the left side is obviously an issue for the Kings. Maybe he plays well enough and he gets earns a spot in the NHL at certain points. So it'll be something to watch in the AHL with the rain, how Krieger does and who, who he gets paired with. Maybe he's the one that gets paired with Clark or Spence, um, whoever gets left down there. I will say one of my favorite moments was in the scrimmage Monday where we, we saw Otto Salin and Otto Yomsen get tangled up and Yomsen <laughs> knocked off his helmet I was I was looking at the schedule. They both play in the same league in Finland, so there's gonna be a couple of matches. I'm really excited to see how that one, how that rivalry brews yeah, I mean, over I, there. We were talking. I wonder if there's already been a little bit of bad blood between those two. I think they've been playing that league together already. So yeah, there's a little history boiled over from there. Were they were, were they screaming at each other in Finnish? Oh, I, <laughs> no, I couldn't hear or tell, but they were going, they were going at, at, it. at it pretty hard. This helmet, started in the D zone and ended up coming out to the center ice, so it carried on a bit, but. He looked really good too. There was a play where he made a mistake in the blue line on the scrimmage that led to a Chromiak two-on-one goal that beat Portillo short side. But you know, from what we saw from especially from Sean O'Donnell, he had high praise for Otto Celine. Yeah, Celine has got a lot of confidence in his game. A lot of confidence, you can tell, especially with the puck. Uh, maybe his decision making isn't that great um, yet. But I mean, who am I explaining? I mean, it's Sean Dersey, pretty much. It's, when I'm explaining, you kind of got that feel just from watching him. As you, you can see those offensive capabilities, but maybe that decision-making just isn't there yet. But I'm curious to see how that player progresses because he skates really well. I really like the way he skates. Uh, Winona's Big Brown Beaver comes in here saying that uh, will Krieger make a push for the roster? I just don't think there's any spots for him at this point. No, maybe, maybe about- in a year or two. Maybe in a year or two, we could probably see it. In- injury call-up, maybe something like that. Uh, go on there. Uh, we talked about this, uh, well, actually before we get to like some just random players that I poke out there, 
Who are you most impressed with among the uh, the first timers? I'll go with Ryan Comney. I thought, I mean, the first thing I noticed of him is his shot. He has a ridiculous wrister. Um, really quick, quick hands. And then he scored two goals in the scrimmage too. I mean, he's kind of a smaller player, but obviously noticeable scoring. Um, looks pretty confident out there. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how he does. He's going to the University of New Hampshire, I believe. Um, this next coming season. So that'll be a player to watch the sixth rounder in this past draft. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I would have, that's a, that's a hard one to top. I mean, I, I would have to agree. It would either be him or Celine that was there, but to go away from that question, I would say one of the invites that really caught my attention was Ben Steves. All that guy did was just pretty much seem to score in every scrimmage that I was there. So, but Ryan Comney, there was a play in the second goal where he just got to the, to the middle of the ice in the offensive zone, he just got his stick up and just redirected the puck. So he seems to, to know where to go in the right areas. And for a guy that's his, for how tall he is, he, he's able to find those areas pretty well. I want to point out one player here because we were that was the big question about Dev Camp was Casper Simon Tyball, right? First time coming over, uh, dominant in every single world junior thing that he's been at. What was your impressions of him? I saw the picture of him standing next to Hellenius. Uh, <laughs> it looked pretty looked funny. Like a little ant. Looked like a yeah. little ant. What did you? What did you? What did you think? Yeah, of he him? definitely played like a confident player um, too. Uh, willing to do things with the puck. As far as dangle around players, and there was one of the videos I shared. He dangled around Dvorak. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, it was funny because they had him in drills going up against like having board battles and drills. And the player, he ended up, yeah, the player he went up against was Hellenius, but he did pretty well. I mean, there was one time you're if Hellenius gets positioned, there's no way you're going to get around him, especially if you're Simon Tyball or you're five nine. But there was another time he actually did pretty well. So I'm curious to see what happens when he comes over to North America eventually, because like like you mentioned, you see him during like World Junior Championships. Like I actually, it's funny because I just watched the highlights of the Finland USA game with uh, Kaliev, Turcotte, and and Faber and all them, that game, that's one of the better hockey games I've seen in, like, the that last four game. or five years. I mean, I, I, it was during COVID time. I mean, dude, like, it's – and especially, like, as a Kings fan, you're watching Turcotte and Kaliev and Simon Tyval, all these – Throwing players, it way back. Faber <laughs> all go crazy during this game. Simon Tyval had two goals. Kaliev had the game winner. Oh, and, it, like, right. yeah, it was just, like, like man – like Alex Turcott, can you just be that player? Like, just you, you're wearing the A for that team. You win the gold medal. Like, oh man, just it, there's a player there. I just want to see him healthy. I want to see him play in the NHL. But yeah, I'll swing back to Simon Tyball. I was, I liked what I saw. I'm just curious to see more. Let's get flip, let's flip it over here to uh, around the Pacific. So we do this segment every once in a while talking about the rest of the league, how it's shaping up, how maybe it affects the Kings. Uh, so Joe's been silent for a long time. I'm hitting you first, big guy. Uh, what was your most interesting signing or move uh, from a, a member in the Pacific? So That you liked, that you liked. Yeah. So for me, um, side note, I'm just sad at the Calgary exodus right now. You guys know my flames like, and this is just, uh, it's not going well over there. Edmonton, uh, Edmonton. Connor Brown is a very intriguing signing. He played with McDavid uh, in Erie in the OHL uh, and lit it up, of course. Um, this is a guy that's scored 20 goals in the NHL a couple of times already. He's almost a half a point a game player. He's coming off a massive injury. Um, 
so how he responds and kind of jumps back into things is going to be interesting to see. But Edmonton added a, you know, a potential 50 plus point guy to their lineup for league minimum. Um, that could be a really under the radar sneaky signing. And again, maybe if physically it doesn't end up like, you know, working out because he's not, you can't get back up to where he was before speed wise or whatever. But uh, of all the signings uh, in the division that I was like kind of intrigued by, or like it was kind of caught my eye. That was, that was the one. I think that's a really, really good, really good pickup for Edmonton. That was one of my top ones there too. I, I really like that one as far as intrigue. Russ, where are you going here with the with the signing or move that really that you thought was a good move for that team? It's interesting though with the Pacific. I mean, you kind of look around the teams. Like, not a lot of teams made big moves, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about it, like the Kings were obviously the most active team in the Pacific Division in terms of acquisitions and making moves. But I wonder how that'll affect the, the the standings in terms of at the end of the season. But one of the more interesting moves that I saw made or the one I liked the best, it was kind of the more under the radar. It could just happen recently. And that was Phil Zadina going to the Sharks. I think it's just such a low risk or low risk, high reward type of move. I mean, we saw, we've seen these prospects who maybe he's, what was he? Top 10 pick, I think sixth or seventh overall Mm -hmm. a few years ago. I mean, we've seen some of these players who have left teams that didn't really work for them um, move on to, Newer, new teams, and then all of a sudden they unlock this new new player they are. And we saw just some of last year with Ellie Tovin and going, going from Nashville going to Seattle, and then he all of a sudden just started scoring. So I think that's just a, such a smart move for San Jose, for especially for a team that is not expecting to win. Just give them top, top six minutes and then see what happens. You took mine, man. I thought I was going to sneak under the radar <laughs> with that one. I like it's it too. Lot. I, it's not a lot, right? I think I like it too, just because you look at his player card. Uh, he's a very good defensive player, 96 in the athletic play card on defense, offensively leaving something to be desired. But he could play that role, especially with the young team. You're going to see probably Eklund over there, uh, as well as some a lot of the other young guys. And he could play that middle six um, defensive role, kind of like I follow in that in that area, and be uh, and have no pressure. Like he's not going to be required to do anything. Uh, of note uh, for that team. And maybe you get a spark where, hey, he's a 25-point guy or 35-point guy, you know, that he's now that he's not having to play for uh, for Detroit. So I thought that was a, a good signing. So I, I like that one. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, man, it's really hard to find just one good one for me that stood out because, as Russ said, there weren't a lot of – besides the PLD trade, there's not that many big moves going on in the Pacific and a lot of it has to do with a lot of the teams are half. Some of the teams are, you know, in a rebuild mode. One probably doesn't know what they're doing. And that's Vancouver. One is, you know, um, just going about to tear it down probably in Calgary. And then you have, you know, three teams that are strapped for cash at the top of the division with Edmonton, Vegas, and the Kings. Um, so there wasn't really, it was hard to pick, to pick one. I would say if I just had to go with one, it'd be probably the Kaylor Yamamoto going to Seattle. I think he could probably fit well in the bottom six for there. And, you know, maybe I'm probably not going to like it because he's probably going to kill the Kings like every game they play, but you know, it is what it is at this point, but it, it was just hard to pick one. There wasn't that many big splashy moves and I understand why. Yet I will add 
yet because I think yeah. there are going to be a big splashy move in the Pacific Division. I think there's Eric Carlson's going to go out. I think is one. S- Seattle's doing something. I think some. I mean, this is a team that I think Seattle's at, got a good amount of cap space too, right? And they've got some young centers. Boy, would William Nylander look good in a Seattle uniform? As Toronto is a billion dollars over the cap. Uh, I think there's a move to be made. I don't think Calgary's done, and I don't think Seattle's done. I think there's going to be something coming in, and I think I still think there's more to happen here in the Pacific. Let's move it over to the puzzling moves. Uh, which move kind of left you scratching your head? Uh, I'm going to flip it over to Kyle. You can start this round. All right. Well, I got a couple that kind of I didn't like that. Those were the ones that stood out. Uh, hey, kind of hey, funny. The all ones four that... of us got to speak here, buddy. You don't. Yeah. Know <laughs> I'll probably. <laughs> you'll probably. I'll probably um, have someone say it as well. So I'll probably go with. Um, probably the one that's probably may not be said. It's probably Ivan Barbashev. If you. Um, five years, five million. I think that's probably a little too steep for me. Um, for but looking at the numbers, I didn't get a chance to put um, get notes together really quickly for this, but. To me, this is like a signing that, you know, when you see players in, that are entering the last year of their contract and they're in the playoffs, it's not it's also about winning. But the main thing for them off to the side is cashing in. This is in the playoffs. Everyone's watching the fans, the media teams. Everyone's watching. So this is your chance to do well and cash in. And he played with Barbashev, played with Eichel and Marshall for about 207 minutes in the playoffs. He had 18 points in 23 games and. You know, that to me is a team that is rolling out the money for a guy who, prob- who probably could have gotten less, but the term in the AAV for me, um, I'm not a big fan of it. Even though if he, even if he does well, I'll admit that I was wrong, but I just don't like it. It seemed like they just kind of overpaid because of that playoffs, that postseason he had with Jack Eichel, and Jack Eichel was phenomenal at these playoffs. Russ, where are you going with this one? Oh, for me, this is an easy one. I know I what know. This I have no idea what the hell the Anaheim Ducks are doing. Like, what are you guys? That doing? was my other one. That was my what other one. <laughs> you just gave Alex Killorn three years at six point two five million dollars. Who's going to be thirty four years old for this next year? They're not even close to competing. It, it it makes no sense why you're paying that much money to a player, and then you're probably going to be going to arbitration with Troy Terry. It it just, I don't know, like Pat Verbeek, it's been one puzzling move after another so far with him. And and I'll just go back real quick to the the, um, Carlson pick, Leo Carlson pick. I haven't really talked about it enough. I just feel like with these, when we've noticed it already as Kings fans, right? We saw it with Quentin Byfield. When you draft project players over players that seem like the more solid pick or the more NHL-ready type player, if things don't don't go right, man, it looks incredibly bad. As opposed to, let's say, if you did pick pick, if the Kings did pick Tim Stutzla, or if, if Anaheim maybe did pick Adam Fantilli, obviously we don't know what's going to happen. That doesn't really seem like as much of a risk. And so, I don't know. Pat Verbeek has just made some questionable moves so far as a GM with Anaheim. But I mean, the Killhorn contract is just Killhorn. Sorry, it's just. Baffling do you th- do you think Carlson's a project? Because I don't. No, and neither do I. I actually was going to say I just 25, 25 points, almost I, a half over a half point per game player in the SHL. He's playing top minutes against better opponents than than Fantilli was playing. I mean, I know that that Fantilli had the best freshman season. You know, one only Javi Baker winner. 
you know, with Jack Eichel and I forget the other, the third one, but Korea. Yeah. So I just, I just, I, I just don't I think just, he's a I project. Mean, he's six three. He's a big guy. He can skate. He's been in the SHL since he was sixteen. Like I just don't understand. I don't, it's not I, like it was a crazy pick. I know. I was going to be third. Crazy pick. I don't. I'm, I'm, maybe it's more or less he's a project compared to what Fantilli can be or what will be. I don't. Maybe I'm comparing the players. I mean, I think Carlson probably would have been third or probably probably would have been the third overall pick after Fantilli. But felt like to me, Fantilli felt like the more just. It felt like right. You just hear so many things. You 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 watch the highlights and all that good stuff. I, I thought Fan, Adam Fantilli would be able to walk into the NHL and be like a Maddie Berniers already. So for for Leo Carlson, I don't see that as a type of player who's just going to come into the NHL and put up 50, 60 points. I, I see that more in Adam Fantilli than I do with Leo. I see Leo as a Andre Kopitar, though, as a more just 200-foot, unassuming if you will or Fantilli is going to be a lot louder in terms of the the highlights and things like that and I I like my favorite player in this draft to be clear not the one I think is the best because Connor Bedard is obviously I love Leo Carlson like I I I not saying that it was right to pick him over Fantilli per se but I love that player and I think he could be a force for Anaheim for uh, in this division for a long time I, as a centerman and the way he plays. And again, I, I, that's not to say that he's going to be better than Fantilli. It's just I don't know that there was a, a wrong pick or not in that in that spot. And you know, I'm actually the listen, the Cologne contract is too much money for too many years. There's no question. But there's a they can do that. The Ducks don't they, they have no need yeah, to yeah. to worry about the cap right now. And you've got a lot of these young guys. Kalorn and Gudis are the perfect type of players to surround those young guys with. I, I mean, be curious to see what happens the rest of this offseason if John Gibson gets dealt or how that happens. But I, I think this is a this is going to be a much more competitive team this season. I think I think they've got some intriguing young talent coming up. They've got some good young defensemen. They're getting a they've got a new coach, which is going to be a light years better than it was under Eakins. There's there's a team that's percolating here that they're I wouldn't say they're close, but don't be surprised that this team is going to be maybe I don't think they're going to make playoffs like Seattle made last year, but like they're going to be a competitive team, I think, much more so than than they were last year. I don't see it. I, see, I, don't another, <laughs> I see him as another seller dweller. I see him right with Philadelphia. I, the one thing I do like with Anaheim is what their coach has been saying about Trevor Zegers lately, Greg Cronin. Mm-hmm. He's trying to turn him into a more all-around player, which he needs it. Trevor Zegers is sure. this – he – if like I see almost like – it turned almost maybe – wasn't really more loud, but it could have been like contentious with him and Eakins because I've heard things with about Zegers, how he comes across as like a diva, and we've seen it. We see it on the ice, obviously. We saw it with the whole Troy Stetcher situation. He comes across as this kind of diva on the ice that only wants to be out there for offensive zone draws and, and put me in the best position to score. But I'm liking what Cronin is saying in terms of we need to turn him into an all-around player. Yeah, put him out there against in the defensive zone situations. And I, I think that's why we'll see this Anaheim Ducks team be more of that just a lottery team because they'll be putting certain young players in situations to let them learn and experience that that part of their game a little bit more. 
And Cronin is defensive-minded. I think the Eagles in the AHL, they were one of the top three or five teams in goals against. So I can I kind of see I can see him saying that Zegers needs to be more an all-around player. And again, I look at that. They've got man, I'm excited about that Owen Zellweger too, for him to come up. It's, it's I, I think it's an interesting team. Um, I think they're going to be a lot more competitive. Um, but we'll I mean, see. they'll be fun. They'll be fun. If I mean they for non-Kings fans, they'll be fun to watch. Because the next topic is the, where is the most intrigue for the team, and you took you took the whole topic there for me there, Joe. Because that was mine. I think Ducks oh, were I'm mine. Damn. You, you you took it. It's fine. I love it because you brought up a lot of good points. I really like the the um, the Gudis signing for them. Not the money or anything like that. I don't know what he's doing. He hasn't won a, a, a ring yet, so maybe he just wants some more cash. But you saw, and I'm like, say, for toughness, for toughness sake, I'm not really a, a fan, but you saw Anaheim got bullied. Zagoras got bullied a lot because of his antics. You have all these young guys. I expect Leo Carlson to at least get nine games to start next season, and maybe they throw him back into Sweden. McTavish, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they move Zagoras to wing and put him with McTavish and see how that goes. They should. Uh, they should. And, they should. Yeah, they should. McTavish is an all-around better center. But you have a lot of young guys. Drysdale's going to be coming back, especially off a major injury. He's more of a flashy guy. Like having a guy that's kind of had that enforcer to where he could stick up for a lot of these young players and, and allow them to be the offensive juggernauts, you know, and without uh, and being able to dole out punishment. I think that team could be not, I was about to say scary good, but that's not where I was trying to go. I think they could be very interesting in the fact that you could see some like big jumps in talent with this team as the season goes along and and how this team gels. I McTavish, I've seen I've seen nothing but good things out of him. Terry has, has been great for that team. I don't think that they'll be a bottom dweller. I kind of see more of that with San Jose, uh, in, in my opinion. But I could see them get hot for for two weeks or a week and be like, oh, man, this Ducks team, you're seeing flashes of what the future could be with these young kids. Drysdale was amazing his rookie year. Injury plagued second year. Kept him out the whole season. Will that power play be a lot better? You don't have um, Klingberg just playing zero defense for all these young kids. <laughs> so, like, I just I, I think that this team that is going to be interesting. The new coach is something there because Aikens was atrocious. The the thing with a bunch of what ifs, and we've known this as a rebuilding Kings fans, is that can it either can go great or it can be disastrous. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just don't think there's a middle ground here. I think you're going to see a lot of great hockey in spurts, and I think you're going to see a lot of terrible hockey in spurts. Where they level out when the season ends is going to be interesting, I think. Yeah, I think I, one I, thing to look for with the Ducks is that goal differential. I'm curious. Just, I mean, obviously that's the only thing that they'll be looking at. But um, like I said earlier, Cronin is defensive-minded. If they make you know some improvements there, then I'll consider that a, a good year for them. But how long did it take the Kings to get acclimated to the one-three-one? Like almost like fifty games. Like I mean, and even they weren't that good at it the first year. So. Yeah, there's going to be lots of growing pains for this Ducks team going into next season, but I think they have the talent there. They're going to suck. <laughs> and, that's, and that's fine. All right, Mr. Negativity, where where's the most intriguing team for you this season? No, the most intriguing team is is always every year. Welcome to the next episode of What Are the Vancouver Canucks Doing? <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody, Nobody knows. knows what they're doing. They bought out. I did like Ekman Larson. <laughs> Dude, I have no idea what that team is doing. Just fucking. Sorry, excuse my language. I never like that on here. But just rebuild already. Just do it. Just what are you doing? 
give Andre Kuzmenko trade everyone. <laughs> you should have traded him during the deadline. You could have got like a ton for him. And then now all of a sudden you sign Susie, which I think is actually an underrated signing. He's fine. Yeah. But it's the same team. And you just think Rick Tockett's going to fix anything. He's not. He's not. I mean, I just I have no idea what that team does every year. They seem to be really banking on we're running it back with this same core. And expecting just, nothing. Well, I'm praying for health with Thatcher Demko. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think it's it's a tall ask. I think they are they missed the boat. I'm just blown away by that JT Miller contract. That's gotta be horrible. I, I'm like Good Lord. Uh, yeah, I'm so glad that you said that, Russ, because I was sitting here thinking, does anybody know what Vancouver's doing ever? Uh, uh, I don't even think yeah. Vancouver knows what Vancouver's doing at this point. I All I all I can see when you brought up Vancouver is like the dodgeball where, uh, where the, the announcers are like, oh, they're doing absolutely nothing out there. That's a bold move. Let's see how it works out for them here. <laughs> exactly. Pepper Brooks. Pepper Brooks. Yeah. Cotton needs new shorts. All right. <laughs> love those two. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Man. Canucks are an enigma. I mean, it's it's weird because you look at their roster and there's a lot of good players, right? That's you have Pedersen, you yeah. have Miller, who's still has somewhat a decent player, just maybe being overpaid. Quinn Hughes, Besser, yeah, Besser, Demko. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's, if you it's, if you were rebuilding, would you trade away Pedersen? No, no, he's still young enough that you kind of build around him. You should have traded Miller. You should. You, yeah. They traded. Um, Who's the player I'm missing? The player they traded New New York, Horvat. Uh, Horvat. Yeah, yeah, they traded Horvat. Smart move. Um, got Bolivier. Why didn't they trade Besser? That's yeah. I thought they were going to trade Besser. I don't. What, he's got two years left still. Two years. So you still could trade him. It's two years at six mil. Yeah. Actually, that's not bad. So trade him maybe at the deadline. Trade him in the next offseason. Figure it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they still have decent young players there where they got um Atu Ratu in that deal with New York. Quinn Hughes, obviously a young player, Pedersen. Just keep those three and build around those three players. Yeah, they're in a weird, like they're in a bad spot where you're kind they're, of in that middle and yeah, they're at that position where they're like a borderline playoff team, but there's never gonna go deep in the playoffs. They don't and it makes no sense to me play- because the 2023 draft was the deepest draft in a in a long time. And you had a bunch of players that you could have got first round picks for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody like harps on Dallas Eakins for what he did in Anaheim is like, dude, I thought he did an incredible job. <laughs> he did exactly what he should have been doing. <laughs> but no, but like if you look at look at the Flyers, like they just like now all of a sudden they, they want to rebuild. Like, okay, maybe a year too late, even though right. they got Mitkoff. But yeah, the the Canucks have just I don't know. You can say the same thing about the Flames too, but I don't want to that's bad game. luck. That's bad luck. They, 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 had a, they were dealt a They got goalied every game. That's, <laughs> that's denial, game. Joe. That's denial. Yeah. It might be. It might be. Kyle, you want to cap us off here with the most with the team you're most intrigued by? Um, Probably not the right or the wrong reasons. I'm very intrigued to see what Calgary Calgary does. They um they just traded Tyler Toffoli last week. They have a couple of young prospects in the AHL that could probably make make some noise knocking on for a roster spot in the NHL. Um, they also have that prospect that they signed out of Harvard Coronado, who was really good for the, mm-hmm. for Harvard last year. And they also have, in my opinion, I know Jesper Wallstack gets a lot of acclaim for one of the best goalie prospects. Dustin Wolf should be in the NHL. In my opinion, he's got nothing to prove down there in the, in the AHLs, but 
We're going to see what they do with either Vladar or Markstrom's probably going to be Vladar. But I think they have some kids down there in the AHL that should be up in the NHL this year. And a new and a new coach. They have. Yeah, what's funny is, like, before the whole Toffoli wanted out and, um, um, you know, there's questions around Lindholm, I was like, just run it back. You've got a new coach. You integrate some of these, some of the Coronados, like you said, the Pospisil, some of these young players, get them integrated. A couple of tweaks. I mean, they had a, they were dealt a rough hand with their best two players saying, we don't want to be here. I thought they did about as good a job as you could have. They, they were, because they're such a, it was, roster was still really good and they, they doubled down on it. And I didn't hate it because I think the decor is as good as any decor in the, in the division still. But now you've got guys that are like, well, Toffoli's gone. And, I mean, I don't hate Sharon Govich, but he's not Tyler Toffoli. And I don't know what's going to happen with Lindholm. I don't know what's going to happen in that. So there's just a lot of questions that I think that team is still capable. But, um, yeah, I just don't know what's going to happen the rest of this offseason. I'm intrigued, too, by that, by that Kyle. Um, they and they also lost way. their AHL coach, too. He's now Mitch Love yeah. is now an assistant yeah. with the uh, Washington Capitals, who probably might be knocking the door for an NHL job yeah, so, I, yeah the, flame, I, I, the Flames missed their window two years ago and Daryl Sutter was the worst coach for that situation. yeah they they it's like if they made the decision okay if, if if they didn't keep him around and they went with somebody else I don't know like would they still have some of these guys would they be seeing what we're seeing I, I don't know yeah. but I mean they were so good um it's 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 tough but I Still a team that we'll see how they navigate this, but just to yeah, and and for me, I think I said earlier, Seattle is is my intriguing team because I don't think they're done. I think there's possibly a significant impactful player coming into that roster. I want to say Ron Francis has done a great job building that team. He's yeah. and Dave Haxel's done a great job. They're really going to yep. build something special over there. Which is crazy because with all the pressure that Vegas put on the next expansion team, with how quickly they competed. Like Ron Francis didn't let that like influence his decisions. I don't think. I think no, he just did no. what he thought was best for the, for the franchise and not try to push for for a Stanley Cup year one. You know. With that being said, Nav comes in here picking the top four in the Pacific. I think we all know who they are, but maybe we have different viewpoints of where the team stands. Or maybe Joe, you want to pick Seattle higher because of you think they're going to have a good move. Uh, just rapid fire here. Where's the top four there for you? Russ? He wants to stay so far away from this. <laughs> Joe's in, in the next room. He's so far away from this. So <laughs> I will start it. Um, the top four, I think, uh, I think Edmonton's uh, still the top team in the division. Um, I think LA can be two. I agree with Kyle that he said about Barbershop. I didn't love it. It's not Vegas-like, and I thought they did the same thing with Aiden Hill. Like, for a team that was tight against the space, I, th I think they could have done a little bit better. I still think Vegas – but the problem with Vegas is still the same, is their depth. And if they run into injury, they're in trouble. They're just an injury or two away from being a wild-card team or a bubble team. So because of that, I'm going to slip them down just a little bit. Maybe that's crazy. And, yeah, I'm going to push Seattle into that into that three spot. Um, so I'll have Vegas kind of battling with, with uh, you know, like uh, um, uh, Calgary or maybe even Anaheim for that uh, four spot <laughs> in the uh, in the division. All right, Kyle, what do you think? Um, I yeah, I would 
agree with Joe. Um, I would go with, I would have to say, I would have to agree with him on that whole list because I really do not like Vegas's bottom six depth. It's really, it's very thin. It's like a bunch of a bunch of AHL players, and that's what happens when you're you're pressed against the cap. And we might we might even see it with the Kings this year, possibly if that happens with they are pressed up against the cap. But Edmonton to me is number one. Obviously, when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you have McDreisaitl in your lineup. I expect you to be just winning games like eight, seven, nine, eight kind of games. Um, I'm gonna be a biased. I'll put. By the way, yeah, I like Skinner. I think he's gonna be fine. Um, I'm not really high on Skinner either that much too. After what I saw in the playoffs, but um, that would probably be a topic for a different day. Um, I'll go with Kings too, like Joe said, and Seattle at three. I think I think that's appropriate. I think that fits them. This team was just one game away from going to the Western Conference Finals after finishing with 60 points last year. And they've made, what, they had 101, I believe, this year? Or was it 99? I think it was 101, but because I know they weren't that far from the Kings either. I think it was 101. But correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they can get three. I'd like to see a Kings-Seattle matchup. I think that'd be really fun. I don't think we're going to get a 9-8 game like we did last year. So I'll put, I'll make sure to put that out there. And then I'll have Vegas, Vegas four, and then everyone else will just be bottom feeders for the rest of the year. 100 for Seattle, by the way, you were close. Damn. Yeah, I agree with your guys' list, actually. Um, Edmonton, or what would you say? Vegas 4, Seattle 3. Which the thing with Seattle, I think the only thing that will be interesting with them is their goaltending. They kind of yeah. got the same question marks as the Kings. <clears throat> sure. They have the same question marks as the rest of the division. With- yeah, that whole, the whole division has question marks in that, right? I mean, even, even with Vegas, they just gave Aiden Hill, like, Almost five million dollars for next I can't year. Which they did that. There's another another questionable move, and that's kind of almost like you get you win a cup and you yeah. get everybody. It's like so Barbashev, two point oh. You just pay a guy for being yep. on a hot run. It's the Marion Gabrick situation, right? Bennington, like, Bennington got it exactly. Yeah. So maybe I wonder if that'll come back to haunt them. I, I will say, like I, I agree. I think Edmonton's just going to run away with the division. Although I think this is the year that the Kings <laughs> can finally win a division. I, I, I'm, I mean, they're built yeah. like it. Yeah. I mean, if they can just get that goaltending, it doesn't have to be great. It doesn't have to be. It just it doesn't have to be terrible. They have the depth. They mm-hmm. have the players in AHL and when on the interior rain that could step in and, and make up for any injuries. Um, obviously, we talked about with with Kobitar, Dubois, and Deneau down the middle. You're you're solid there. This team can win a lot of regular season games. So yeah. I wonder if maybe this this is the year they can finally contend for that Pacific Division title. Don't forget, Seattle has some good players in the AHL too that could probably um, mm-hmm. maybe get like those bottom six. They, I know they got a defenseman, left-handed shot, Riker Evans. He, I really like what I saw from the AHL this year. I'm really like high it. on. And it's just funny how Ron Francis like hit on both Matty Beniers and Riker Evans that draft, and they both been really great. Kind of makes me a little here's jealous. A, here's, here's a Seattle caveat: maybe Shane Wright will actually get on the ice this year. Yeah, imagine like they have been talking about that him improving his 200 foot game they I remember yeah. ron francis was talking about that when they add shane wright and william nylander this lineup's going to be buzzing you really think that you really think nylander that's the, that's where he's going do you think no that's I, be- I, I i it was funny my a buddy of mine asked me the other day just like where's william nylander going and the first thing i was like you know what it's going to go to seattle i don't know like if i because i don't know if he even goes anywhere right we'll see what toronto actually decides to do it just seems like he's the name and I just the fit couldn't be more right for for a team like Seattle, who they've got some extremely good young center depth. Their D's fine. They got to get Vince Dunn signed. Um, 
but you're missing you an option for them is Tarasenko. Could be. If if it could be they passed absolutely. up on him in the expansion draft too. No, I mean it, 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 very, it could be like they're missing that that big time kind of goal scorer game breaker. Isn't Van Reems power, power, play, power play player? Yeah. You know, that that's what they need, somebody to be an animal on the power play. And and obviously I think Tarasenko I, he's not nearly as good at this stage of his career as Nylander, obviously, but I think that, um, you know, Tarasenko can help on the power play. Um, but I, but my, why wouldn't, if I'm Ron Francis, why would I, it, you see, everybody knows Toronto's cap situation right now. If Nylander's the guy, I am knocking on that door and I don't care. I mean, I have no problem paying him his next contract. He's young enough. He's good enough. I'm good with it. So I, I'm knocking on that door if I'm Francis, especially knowing you've got cheap players on in the system. Like you have a cheap uh, Matty Beneers, right? You have a cheap Shane Wright right now. You have a cheap Ellie Tolvanen who you know found uh, a whole new type, style of play. So this is this is a team that I think you're you're missing that one piece that that could make them a pretty dangerous team potentially. I like it. I like it. Well. Appreciate you guys. This has been a great one here. As always, you can find all of the articles for Hockey Royalty at HockeyRoyalty.com. Please follow us at Hockey underscore Royalty. Hit that like and subscribe button. All of our Twitter handles are floating down the bottom. If you feel like spending some money, our DraftKings code, it's THPN. Appreciate you guys for coming to chat. You guys are always welcome here. We love our fans. Uh, we're going to be putting out some new episodes here every week, continually going into the rest of the season, maybe two for if we get feeling frisky. Uh, and want to put out an extra episode. Thank you guys for coming in here. Appreciate talking to you guys as always. And on this podcast, Go Kings Go.